The shift to remote and hybrid work over the past two years has accelerated application development on cloud infrastructure. However, securing these new assets has lagged behind. Qualys CloudView, the next generation cloud security posture management, delivers an end-to-end multi-cloud security and compliance solution encompassing the entire application lifecycle from build to runtime. CloudView enables enterprises to assess their cloud security and compliance posture, identify risks and gaps, auto-remediate issues, proactively enforce best practices, improve compliance and audits rapidly and efficiently. Identify your most vulnerable cloud assets by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash Qualys. It's time to rethink how we approach cybersecurity because the reality is modern cyber attackers are already past your initial defenses. ExtraHop helps your security team find and eradicate advanced threats before real damage is done. Protect your enterprise and customers with better defense. Learn more about how ExtraHop stops advanced threats at securityweekly.com forward slash ExtraHop. That's extra H-O-P. Cloud security compliance doesn't have to be complicated. Whether your business is migrating to the cloud or a seasoned cloud service provider, Bar Advisory can help you simplify security and compliance frameworks, including SOC, ISO, and HITRUST. As an extension of your team, Bar Specialists will put your people first and empower them with the knowledge and tools needed to stay secure and compliant at every stage of your business growth. Learn how Bar can help your company build trust with consumers and become cyber resilient at securityweekly.com forward slash Bar Advisory. That's B-A-R-R Advisory. Welcome back to Business Security Weekly. I am your host, Matt Alderman, joined by Jason Albuquerque and Tyler Robinson. Don't miss any of your favorite Security Weekly content. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe to subscribe to any of our podcast feeds and have all new episodes downloaded right to your phone. You can also join our mailing list, Discord server, and follow us on social media and our streaming platforms. All right, gentlemen, time for articles. But Jason, two weeks into the season, and I'm thinking Mm -hmm. nothing's really changed yet. The Browns (laughs) still know how to blow it. Um, <laughs> Russell Wilson took seven plus quarters to show up like from oh and, and, oh and the in the in the Cowboys look better without Dak Prescott than with him so I'm like seriously like nothing's changed for me no I know and and my my, my Patriots are floundering again this year hopefully we can ramp it up we had a good showing against Pittsburgh I mean at this point I believe the Patriots the Browns and the Broncos are one and one. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> all one and one. The Bengals are zero and two, having gone to the Super Bowl. They're, they were yep, zero and right? two. Like it's just it's and nuts. hey, by the way, the Dolphins. What? Yeah, two, two is and playing. Oh, come unbelievable. on, unbelievable, <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. So, twenty twenty two, the year of surprises, I guess. Oh well, for some people, maybe surprises. Some for people, some yeah. people, just more anticipated pain. <laughs> right. Anyways, uh, we're three weeks into the college season, so at least like the top seven are kind of there until they play each other, and we'll figure it out right, from right. there. But we'll, we'll see. All right, I had to do that because I, 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 I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been two weeks, Jason. I haven't talked football. I know. So. We haven't we haven't talked football. I know. <laughs> All right. Yes, articles, articles, articles. Uh, so this first one: framework to succeed in corporate. A CISO's guide. Uh, you know, Jason, th- this um, article lays out a pretty interesting 10-step framework of mm-hmm. kind of getting through an organization. 
and I found it interesting because having just changed jobs in the last two months, I was like, how much of this did I actually do and where am I in the process, right? right? And I tracked pretty well, believe it or not. I was like, oh, I followed this framework. This is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the natural evolution of uh, high-performing leaders, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, relating, I mean, I, relating it to uh, an operating system was kind of an interesting, or, or a computer was kind of an interesting take, like because we're all technologists. So yeah. I think that correlation for the logical brain was nice. I had a pretty nice layout. Some of these things, like, overly simplified, but you go back on all of all of your guys' episodes over the years, and this is literally what you've been talking about day in and day out, and it's getting time, right. <laughs> It really is. I mean, it, it, it's exactly what we talk about, about building your leadership acumen, right? I mean, number one, we know a good leader isn't going to be a good leader if they're not taking care of themselves, right? You, you have to be there. You have to focus on you know, how you execute, how you communicate, how you're building relationships, how you're building trust. That was tenant number one, right? Or level number one. Make sure you're doing the things you need to do to take care of yourself, build trust, and communicate well. Talk about it all the time, right? And then, you know, win over the people that are around you. Don't be that, you know, department of no. We say that all the time. Talk about outcomes. Talk about what you can achieve together, right? Take feedback. That's huge. I mean, so many times ego is in the room, right? We talk about that being bad. You know, that can be the, the, the catalyst of failure. Take the ego away and, and, and take feedback. And then make sure you're figuring out how to add value to your organization. You're never going to have a seat at the table, uh, and, you know, with, with the, with the C-level executives that you're not showing how you're adding value to the business itself. You know, and that's just those first, first two levels. And I, I liked it. I liked it for um, a good framework that a, a, a new CISO or a new leader can take mm-hmm. and use, right? Use the framework. Yeah. So when I think about this journey, right, kind of uh, last week when we were at the executive offsite was step seven, connect the dots, right? Mm-hmm. How do all the strategic components across the business come together to set direction for next year? What, what came out of that is we ended up with two kind of strategic motions for 2023. But the good news is 60% of the strategy didn't change regardless of which directions mm-hmm. which direction we went because we connected all the dots, right? And and yep. made sure everything aligned to the strategic vision, right? Now it's kind of, you know, you're you're kind of g- going into steps eight, nine, and 10, where we are driving the strategic direction of the organization, but we're all aligned because we connected the dots in step seven last yeah. week. Now that's two months in for me, right? So I, just so people get an understanding, like the first seven steps in this process is for me was about a two month window. Mm-hmm. Now it could be longer for some people, but for me, this was kind of that, that's, that's like a two month window. Now it's kind of flowing and getting ready for 23 to pull in some of those last steps, but highly aligned already with the team, but, which is but great. Matt, you know, here, here's the thing though. I don't want the listeners to think that it means you stop doing step one through six. Oh no. <laughs> you're continuously, you're continuously doing step one through six, right? It's not like, you know, you go on to the next step, you forget about the last. No, you're right. taking it with you the entire time, right? Yeah. So you continue to do your job well. You continue to communicate clearly like you want all of that to follow. But uh, but you're right. I mean, you can start building trust right out of the gate, right? You can start building relationships right out. Like I said, the honeymoon period earlier, right? It's a beautiful time in a new leader's life is that honeymoon period because you can build relationships, have hard conversations, and, and really work that you're new and you're learning. So 
Uh, no, dead on. You know, it's connecting the dots. We talked about earlier, you know, showing business value. There's no better way to show business value than to know the business at that 40,000 foot view where you can identify opportunities for economies of scale, uh, investments that are happening that you, you may be able to consolidate invest investments across the organization, you know, where you're really aligning all of the, dif the different business units and creating a strategy at, a, at an enterprise level, at the corporate level versus in silos. When you can start tying all the business units together and develop that broad strategy, that's an incredible amount of value right there that you're showing. That, that requires you to get some of the fundamentals right, though. Those those first steps are, are critical mm -hmm. in order for that that long term. And even once you finish, you know, going through these steps, uh, the CISO role and leadership in general is a Mobius strip. That is an always continuing reiterative. Uh, mm -hmm. cycle and loop path and feedback loop that has to continue. So in order to do good strategy, to have that forward thinking, get that roadmap and continue doing great things in the organization, those fundamentals need to be right, but those fundamentals need to have nurturing and continuous process built into them. Yeah. Yeah. And continuous improvement. I mean, I love the fact that nine and 10 are, you know, I call it challenge the process, mm -hmm. right? So for me, it's about nine and 10, I put together and I say, get out of your comfort zone. Be okay with challenging a process. Be okay with challenging something that's happening in the organization. Ask why. Why are we doing it this way? And if the answer is we've always done it that way, you know it's time to blow it up, right? So, you know, challenge the process. Challenge yourself. Get out of your comfort zone. Ask the hard questions. That's where you show value. Right. And then when you can't affect change anymore, that's when you're going to leave and start the whole process over again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, if it's the right organization, I would argue that continuous change is inevitable yes. because continuous improvement never stops, right? So if it's the right organization growing at the right rate, you know, presenting you with challenges, you could spend 10 years at an organization as mm -hmm. long as you're both reaping the benefits out of it, right? Yeah, and as long as the organization's willing to change and make mm -hmm. those changes and you're making a difference and, and you're continuing the process, right? Yep. It's when you see the leaders leave is when they can't affect change anymore and it's time yep. for them to go on to yep. the next thing, I mean, right? I mean, think of it this way. If, if, you know, if growth is in the, the vision of your organization and, and part of its strategic plan, that means mergers and acquisitions are happening. Yep. That means continuously challenging yourself. You know, if, if, if you're on a very high rate growth pattern, every couple of years you could be acquiring a new company. I mean, I think that's exciting, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, article number two, uh, cybersecurity is too important to have a dysfunctional team. I would agree. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, this article is interesting, right? We've talked a lot about the skills gap and what we need to do to continue to bring knowledge to the team. Um which, which I think is important. Where it got really interesting to me is nonstop learning and then, you know, strong leadership makes good teams, right? All, it's always going to go back to this leadership conversation, right? Strong leaders are going to find a way to make their teams better. They're going to yep. find a way to get them the, uh, the, the training, the knowledge, the skill sets that they need to be successful. I would have almost flipped the script to say strong leadership make good teams. Here's the other things you need to do instead of starting right. with the skills gap and, and the nonstop learning because to me it all starts with leadership. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about it, right? That skills gap, you're going to have a lot easier time bringing folks in if you have a good plan on how you're maybe changing the way you hire. Hire for attitude and aptitude. Have a training program. Have an apprenticeship program. Groom groom your next set of 
uh, you know, technical expertise, have that bench, right? So mm-hmm. there's so much at our fingertips that we just, we've fallen victim to the traditional HR hiring practices that I think we can beat this thing, or at least your organization can beat this thing. If you're doing the right, if you're following the right hiring strategies and training strategies, right? So I'm all about building a bench. I'm all about grooming talent from within, mm-hmm. right? Because now as that talent goes you know, to their next best thing in their next role, you have the opportunity to fill it at, at the entry level and really see that cycle upstream. If you always have that available learning path and that growth development, that is how you retain mm-hmm. high, high performance, high functioning individuals that are very technical that want to continue. You can't always do that. And, and enabling those pathways and off ramps are also important. Doing mm-hmm. that well gives you a good reputation and long term, like it'll pay back. There's a business relationship and partnerships that, that come out of those kind of things. So just being very open uh, and frank and providing those pathways, both up, down and forward. Yep. as well as a good off-ramp is very important. 100%. Yeah, and I, even, the only thing I would add to that, Tyler, is making sure you're paying attention to that work-life balance so folks don't burn out. Yeah. It's that it's that utilization time, right? One of, one of the things, you know, just being in the services industry, utilization is a thing. So paying attention mm-hmm. to your staff's utilization and making sure, you know, sure, they're billable to the organization for a certain amount of time, but have they taken a training? Have they done personal development? When's the last time they took a damn vacation, right? Yeah, that, that means relationship though, right? Like that's not yeah. just technical numbers or yep. a dashboard. Mm-hmm. That is a relationship so you know your people because you're going to have high performers. They're going to say they're fine. They're going to take on all the work. They yep. will always do it and they will never complain. And that's what high, high performers do. So if mm-hmm. you know them and you have a relationship and you build that trust so that they can tell you, hey, I need a break. I'm, I'm going to burn out or you can see it. That makes it, it even better for you. 100%. It's, it's, a lot, it's a lot better conversation when you can say, hey, listen, I noticed you haven't taken a vacation in six months. And by the way, you've been 110% utilized for the last five weeks. Mm-hmm. Go take a break. You're taking a week vacation. Please. Yep. You know, that's a great conversation to have because it's proactive. Yeah. Uh, and Tyler, one thing. It could be sideways, too. Like, there are times when you realize that some of the resources you have are better in another department. It's not necessarily an off-ramp. It's like a, a sideways move that allows them to then go expand and, and create a path upwards. Not everybody has to stay within a, a specific department. Nope. And so, you know, I, th- I think it's important to understand kind of those side moves that gives your employees yeah. an opportunity to grow somewhere else if that's what they want to do. Yeah, I mean, good talent, you want to retain good talent for Period. your company. Yeah. Your company. So, so, you know, I always say the right seat on the right bus in my fleet of buses. Are you in the right seat on the right bus in my fleet of buses? Because if you're not, let's find another bus in my fleet that may be a better fit. Yep. Yeah. Next article. The three traits of successful cybersecurity leaders. Starts with cybersecurity leaders have to be trusted business insiders. Have we heard that one before? Anybody? I don't know what you're talking about. What? <laughs> they, all just, they all just watch our podcast and just write these articles and then they go off each other. Every week, that's what's happening. Seriously, though. <laughs> right. Oh, wait, they're good listeners. I'm telling you. They're, yeah, they're right, right. right. <laughs> yep. They're in it for the long term and they're visionaries. All right. Yeah. Well, that was Article number done. two. Cybersecurity <laughs> leaders have to be good listeners, right? So just like the audience, they have to listen well, copy this, throw it into an article, and they know they're going to get covered. That's it. That's it. I think they just trans they're translating our our podcasts and <laughs> posting articles. 
<laughs> then we no, should I mean, start you know, seeing some better articles. These are these are, these are a, a, a few core things that you need to be doing as a leader. I mean, and it's not just cybersecurity; it's any leader. These are leadership traits. Yeah, agreed. I mean, most no, of these. If everyone would just start doing them. Like That's I'm it. waiting for that part of the implementation. Piece. Yeah, it's written about a lot. It's talked about a lot, but execution is. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, hard to do. It is. It's hard. It's, it is. Yeah. It's 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 say easy, do hard. Absolutely which, right. Which is why we cover this so often because it, it, hopefully over time we start to see the change and we can actually show that. You know, this stuff matters and it's making an impact at the end of the day, Jason. But uh, we, would, right. we would see different metrics in all these articles that have metrics in them, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. We would start seeing different metrics if folks followed them. Yeah, agreed. Um, HBR, always great at, at bringing in um, good articles. This one, In a Crisis, Great Leaders Prioritize Listening. Um, and, and it's, you know, they actually give you some guidance here, you know, so how do you ensure to leverage the perspective of others now before the next crisis hits you in, mm -hmm. in your organization? Here's three questions to ask yourself. So look, somebody just went through a crisis on Friday. I'm not going to name names, but you know, it's all over the news. Like this stuff happens constantly. Mm -hmm. And some of these organizations have been through this before. So the question becomes like, how do you prepare for the next one? Like, are you ready for the next breach? Are you ready for the next leak of, of you know, data out on the internet? And so wh why I thought this article was so interesting is, you know, looking inside the organization and like trying to figure out like, how do I get ready for the next one? Because it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Some of these companies have been in the news just on a regular basis lately, and it, it, it's got to feel a little overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, it's not we're not reinventing the wheel here. There's there's a methodology and a technique to crisis management. FEMA's been doing it for decades, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you think about it from an incident response perspective, our public safety folks have been doing it forever. There's frameworks that we can follow. But to this article's point, you can't do it alone, right? Doing doing it well is different than doing it, right? Truth. And that Truth. the people the people around you and the experience and and leadership and counsel that you're getting makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. You see the ones that do this poorly and that I would imagine is some some poor counseling and people that maybe have not been through it in a manner that reflected well or would have been one of us guiding them. There's there's good ways to do breaches. There's good ways to do disclosure. There's good ways to recover and do remediation and make the next steps without firing people, without going all crazy. You can do this well, but it does take people that have done that and have gotten through it to be on your side and, and give you that good counseling. Yeah, 100%. And that's, you know, that's the team side of it. You can't do it alone. You have to have a good team around you. And hey, by the way, build the muscle memory, practice it. Yeah. That's practice a key piece, right? Mm -hmm. You could you could have the best talent, but if they're never practicing, it's going to get stale. It's going to get Ideally old. practice it before the breach is yes. always a better way to do this. <laughs> it's not <right>. during. <laughs> <laughs> yes. During is, is actually the, you know, that's the big show. Right? That's <laughs> you want to be practicing before the big show. For sure. Before the big show. Uh, <laughs> talking about the big show, the White House on Wednesday released new cybersecurity guidelines to provide details on the executive order signed by President Biden back in May of last year. So, this is based off of CISA's uh, recommendations and findings. Mm -hmm. The statement from the White House points out three important developments moving forward. Number one, NIST, the National Institute Standards and Technology, will be responsible for software accreditation. Hmm. 
Think about that. Accreditation of software in the federal space. Okay, gets better. <laughs> Private vendors selling software to state and federal entities and agencies must have accreditation. Notice he said state and federal entities. So again, a big there. yeah, that's a big one in there, right? Because think about this for a second. Like how many people are dealing at the different state agencies? Now they have to go out and get all this accreditation to be able to continue to do that business in the state and there's the federal a little bit levels. Bigger, there's a little bit bigger trickle-down effect too, right? Because municipalities and county governments in many instances have to abide by the state uh, purchasing laws, right? So this is going to trickle down. There, you know, Every state calls it a different thing, but there are master procurement lists, right, at the state level. And it's in the best interest of the public sector entity at the municipal, school district, county level to follow that without getting scrutiny from the state. So there's going to be a huge trickle-down effect here, and it's going to affect all the local governments as well. I can guarantee it. Yeah. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Agencies must ensure inventorying of all software in 90 days. Further accreditation for critical and non-critical software must be furnished within 270 days, that's nine months, and 365 days respectively, which is a year. So remember, these are mandates coming down, but I don't know where the funding's coming from to support the agencies to do this work. Like, So my only question is, wow. what's the tolerable backlog on all this? Because it's going to be huge. Yeah. <laughs> I just... I, and, and I don't know if that snicker came out loud because I know and I saw Tyler's face kind of so it must have come out loud. No way. I mean, how? Yeah. You know, I mean, how this, is always the question. How? Especially I mean, in state and local this, government. Uh, it's the law of unintended consequences. And my fear is that this just created another layer of bureaucracy that's going to be an anchor on these agencies, not something that's going to be value add. Now, that's my biggest concern. But remember, this is additional requirements on top of the whole zero trust initiative at the federal agency level, right. which there's still no funding for, right? We've talked to right. Lee about this in, uh, in, in multiple shows on the network. Like, where's the funding coming from to support the kind of the zero trust initiatives? Now you throw this it's on not. top. It's like, how do they, how do they tackle both of these? It's great. To that, make I'll, I'll tell you right now, like with, you know, with that mandate, CISA, CISA was doing, you know, vulnerability assessments and penetration tests for the local municipalities and school districts. I was talking to some school districts. They're backlogged for like a year and a half. Mm. Three, like three years right now. Is it three? Wow. It's, it's gone up to three years. That's insane. I mean, just the backlog itself, it just shows you, right? And that's what triggered the backlog conversation earlier because I, I knew that it was just getting pushed out there and pushed out there. There's not enough manpower to do it. Right. Well, CISA's oversight went past federal government and, and even local municipalities and even the free the free waiting list, right? They have yeah. pharma, yeah. pharma initiatives, critical infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, they took in a bunch of financial uh, bits for certain yeah. uh, verticals. So all of these different things that they're testing, which are, are right. critical and all need it, mm -hmm. there's just not enough people with inside of the organization to do, to do it, that. Right? So, and, and again, it just creates that backlog because it, no funding equals not enough people to do the job. Now you get this huge backlog, and I didn't realize it hit three years already, Tyler. That's crazy. what. I, what I think. What I think is going to end up happening is I think there's going to be a point in time where CISA ends up having to end up working with trusted partners mm -hmm. in order to begin doing this. There's going to be yep. maybe not like a FedRAMP space, but almost a, a pen test consultancy where they're bringing in and you're part of a trusted consultancy that follows a framework that they outline and guide in order to start 
catching up on some of this backlog. That's the only way I see it. 100% agree. 100% agree. Well, and think about this from a vendor's perspective now, right? All the vendors out here now need to go through an accreditation process from NIST. Um, Agencies that don't have accredited software for critical and non-critical systems now have to think about how to swap out systems that could be critical to their daily workloads. Like, Without funding behind all, like, oh my gosh, I, I couldn't even how, imagine how do do the amount think, of work. Think about 911 radio systems. Those damn things are so old and those right. are critical. You have to have something in place prior. That's part of, you know, your federal mandate and your ability to do FEMA right. stuff. You cannot just replace them. So now what? Yeah, now what? Yeah, I mean, they're going to they're gonna be systems that are core to running the business <laughs> that they're going to have to make some, I mean, Think about how many homegrown systems are in government oh, space. Now try to now try to rebuild all that with a software development firm or something like that. Oh, Without losing databases Lord. and oh. records that are required for historical purposes. Yep, exactly. Archives. I mean that you know for me it's just like there's so much homegrown software out there. Custom dev. Oh God. Remember the. The IRS <laughs> tried to update their systems how many years ago? It was a complete massive failure. Like, <laughs> yeah, not going to happen in 270 it's, or 300. You know what? Days. It's um, it's a wonderful aspiration. How about that? It's a wonderful aspiration. <laughs> yes. A for effort. Yeah. <laughs> I think execution, though, is going to be a, um, a pretty, a pretty uh, big F, but we'll, we'll see. Like, <laughs> I, I just I, I see this stuff come out, and I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, how do you get your arms around something mm-hmm. like this? Some agencies are going to be better than others, but I mean, the big ones, there's no way. Like, oh, crazy. Yeah, so that bring, that brings the point of like, is there a point in signing this into mandate? Like, did that accomplish anything or not? Right. Like, those are the questions I don't know. It's great mm-hmm. from a PR perspective, right? Oh, yeah, because oh, it makes the administration oh, yeah. look tough on cybersecurity. But if, if none of the agencies can implement it and they don't have the funds to implement it, does it actually impact our overall security? The answer is probably no. So so does do they have the right counsel around them explaining why these things don't matter and here's how you do good initiatives? Maybe they need additional input around that. I, I know politics are not a place most of us like to operate, but obviously we need to get some people in there that – I mean, Jen Easterly is doing a great job, but – uh, there right. has to be more than one voice in order to affect that level of change. And We've for all had- we know, maybe maybe that voice was there, and there's they they you know in so many they instances you need that political ace to throw on the table. Yeah, and sometimes even if the people are there, that ace still gets thrown down. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I mean, look, there's the multiple people from our industry have attempted to try to make a difference there. And it's very difficult, I think, to navigate the political waters to really make the right impacts. Yep. Yeah. Um, last article we're going to cover only because I thought this was interesting. Uh, Security Week is happy to announce that all sessions from their 2022 CISO forum are now available to view on demand. And and there's some great sessions in here. So, you know, again, this goes back to this like learning, sharing. I think there's opportunities for CISOs to continue to you know, learn from their peers in the industry if they weren't available to attend. This stuff's available. All you have to do is register to get access to the content. I think any CISO, aspiring CISO, people want to know like some of the strategies they really need to think about in areas that they're struggling with. Here's some great free resources for you to, you know, go check out in On Demand. 
gentlemen always a pleasure thank you uh jason for catching up with me on football tyler always a pleasure thank you for joining us today thank you everyone for watching and listening we'll see you next week on business security weekly